2: Welcome back to the moon underwater. I am John Robbins, the host and landlord of the host of a pub. Can you be the host of a pub? I don't think you can. I'm the landlord of this uh, fantasy pub where the lovely Robin Allender and I invite a guest every week to select their favourite choices for their dream tavern. This week, it's Dr Radha Modgill. You'll have seen her on TV. You'll have listened to her on radio. You may even have taken her advice about your health, your well-being, and your habits, and it's a treat to have her here. So far, she has selected uh, Bulmers on draft, with salt and vinegar squares, pickled onion monster munch and chipsticks, uh, Camden pale ale, a bottle of Nye Timber cuvée multi-vintage English sparkling wine, a Villa Maria Sauvignon Blanc Marlborough, if you don't mind me saying. And uh, we look forward to adding more selections, but first we must remove you from the popular music hooks that you were left on by the
1: lovely Robin Ander in the Moon Underwater pub quiz. Thanks, John. Yes, the Moon Underwater... Oh, there <laughs> we go. <laughs> the Moon Underwater pub quiz this week was uh, pop music, and it was about funny or amusing moments that have snuck their way into hit singles. And so question one was, which Queen song ends with the line, gimme, 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 fried chicken... Was it A, Hammer to Fall, B, Another One bites the Dust, or C, One Vision? Rada, what, what do you think?
3: So I've gone for One Vision because I know the other two pretty well, and I'm pretty sure... I'm good at lyrics. I like singing in the car. I'm pretty sure it's not in those, so I've got One Vision, one vision for me.
1: You're bang right. It is One Vision. John, I take it you obviously got that. Oh, yeah,
3: big time, big time.
1: <laughs> so how did you get on with my kind of extra John question here of when it was recorded?
2: Um... Well, to, to answer your first extra question, which is how did that lyric come about? So One Vision started as a sort of protest song from Roger Taylor. And as Roger said, that bugger Freddie Mercury started messing about with all my bloody lyrics. Um, he didn't mince his words. And uh, there's actually a quite a, quite a lengthy clip of Freddie messing around with all of the words of the song. So... I think at one point he said, one tit, John Deacon. Ooh. That was one of the the lyrics, though in a loving way. Yeah, yeah. And I think it just so happened that fried chicken stuck out of that sort of mess around. In regards to your second question, what month was it recorded? Well, it was 1985, and this is a guess, actually, because they're all wearing, like, short-sleeve shirts, and I think John Deacon's wearing some tiny shorts in the video, so I'm going to say... July eighty
1: five. Uh, it was September, but that's I love
2: the oh. fact you got, tried to. Work,
1: <laughs> I love the fact you tried to work it out by what they were wearing. That was brilliant.
2: But that's the video, so that would have been when they. That wouldn't have been when they wrote
1: it. So that's my mistake. Yeah, but that's fine. Oh, well done though, John. That was great and a lovely bit of trivia there
2: as well. I, I,
3: I want to have you on my pub uh, quiz team.
1: Thanks. So much. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it's a Queen
2: quiz, I'll do very well. But uh, outside of that, limited. <laughs>
1: Question two, in which Beatles song can you hear someone saying, fucking hell, is it Let It Be, Hey Jude or Lady Madonna? And as I say, I think it's Paul saying it. I always think it's Paul. But uh, Rada, what do you think?
3: So again, using the first strategy for the first question, I'm going to go for Lady Madonna.
1: Okay, Lady Madonna. John, what do you think? I've also gone for Lady Madonna. That's Hey Jude.
3: Is it really? Yeah,
1: about three three minutes into Hey Jude, just as it's really building up, you can hear someone say "fucking hell. I thought
3: I knew that one really well. I'm going to have to listen back to that tonight. Yeah,
1: have a listen. You can. It's quite distinct. It's, it's like someone's obviously gone to the wrong chord or something. It's a great moment, and it's really nice they kind of kept it in. And question three was. <laughs> The rather rude one in the fade out of which 1982 hit single. Can you hear the lines? Please don't procrastinate. It's not good to masturbate. Um, so, any ideas with that one? Rada.
2: I think that's relax. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Okay, Rada.
3: So I haven't got a clue. So I literally just thought I heard the word masturbate. So I've gone for uh, like a virgin by Madonna.
1: Both. <laughs> Both brilliant guesses. It was a very rude decade for pop music. It was actually Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye. Oh. Really? In the fade out to that song, you can hear him sing that, yeah. So there mm. we go. Sorry for ruining that song for everyone. <laughs> Unless you already <laughs> knew it, but there we go. I think you that was one a piece there for... Yeah, one all. Uh, for that. One all. So a lovely
2: draw. Uh, thank you very much to the lovely Robin Allender... Uh, for the this week's Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. We now return to Dr Rada Modgill's dream pub. Uh, Rada, before we have your next selection, what when you, when you enter your dream pub, what do you see in front of you? You said that you like fires. Are we talking modern fires? Are we talking, I don't know, Elizabethan fires? Who knows?
3: <laughs> so it has to, obviously it's very season specific. So I like a pub in the winter to have a lovely log fire, lovely natural log fire, but go you know, crackling away, glowing, kind of just not, not, not kind of uh, not organised and not formal, just very informal. An
2: informal like, fire. An informal <laughs> fire
3: is like one that just happened to spontaneously burst into flames, just you know, without no one asking it to or no one doing anything. It just happened to to start off. Uh, so, so that that for me is just the most beautiful thing to sit in front of a fire in a pub after a, a nice walk when you're all cold, have a lovely pint of cider. And just forget about the world.
2: A winter cider. It really is your drink, isn't it? If you're drinking cider in, on a winter's night.
3: I do like a cider. Or, or or I'm going to shock you. I'm going to shock you. And I'm going to go a bit Miss Marple and say, or a sherry. <laughs> so I've got, I have got a bit of a sweet tooth. So for me, a sherry um, is just in front of a fire. Oh, I can't beat that. With a couple of after-eights.
1: Have you ever gone down the mulled cider route in the, in the winter months?
3: I love mild cider, I love mild wine, oh my gosh, yes. You you you've got you got my vibe totally down already, Robin. <laughs> I can I can see that. But so that's in the winter, but in the summer, um I think you know totally different really. Kind of just uh maybe a summer evening, fairy lights, kind of uh big windows, lots of people outside, lots of laughter, kind of just you know, not not so so I'm very seasonal seasonal when it comes to thinking about my pub. So I'm not quite sure what season you'd like to be in. Obviously it's summer at the moment. So
2: uh, maybe we'll go for that. Well, the thing with sherry, it's so, I'm guessing we're talking like a pale cream sherry. We're not talking like a dry sherry.
3: Yeah, yeah, pale cream one. But I, 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 my friends take the mick out of me. They really do. They, if, I, if I go and I order a sherry, I'm brave enough to order a sherry, they're like, Frida, how old are you? Are you Miss Marple? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't care what you say. I like sherry and I'm going to have one. Sherry is
2: due a rebrand because it's so delicious. Mm. But don't you find, because it's served in like 50 mil, so it's like a double, but it's just gone. It's just, you drink it so quickly, it's so delicious.
3: It's sh- sh- sherry, is very, sherry is very easy to drink, it really is, it really is. But I also think that, you know, I don't think it should be served in those classic sort of sherry glasses. I think you should have a lovely, wide sort of, um, not a tumbler, but just one of those lovely glasses that feels really sturdy and really comforting.
2: So we now must move to your spirit choices. Now, given the discussion we've had, we'll also allow fortified wines and liqueurs, but what are you going for with your spirits?
3: <laughs> so I've got to go for, for rum, actually. Yeah. Rum is uh, is one of my favourites, uh, especially in cocktails. So uh, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't been on holiday for three years, or any holiday, actually. I, went, I recently went on my first holiday uh, to Barbados, I was very lucky. Ooh, like and that. yeah, very lucky. And um, I discovered, rediscovered rum there, and I learned all about the different types of rum, you know, sort of light to dark. And I found this incredible, uh, the darkest rum actually, called XO, XO rum. Uh, which reminds me of the Beyonce track obviously Um, but I bought a bottle of that and it's to bring home and it was absolutely beautiful so I had a great time with rum in Barbados but generally before that. Is that that
2: Mount Gay XO?
3: Yes it is.
2: I went to Barbados and had a similar in fact I bought the exact same bottle of rum. Oh did you? Did you go to the rum distillery there?
3: I didn't go to the rum distillery actually. I, I wanted to, but to be honest, I was I was being so lazy. I just wanted to do nothing apart from drink rum and lie in the sunshine. So.
2: Do you know what, Rada? I went to a very fancy rum distillery in Barbados, and I spent a lot of money on a on a three bottle selection pack of their rums. And they were absolutely undrinkable.
3: <laughs> oh no, you're joking! Because
2: they're so fancy, they're not really to be mixed. So I would mix them with Coke, and they tasted gross because they're not made for that. So it'd be like going to, it'd be like going to a sort of whisk, uh, an ancient whiskey place, and then mixing that with Coke. It was just ba- yeah, it was bad. Yeah, i getting
3: like a really fancy champagne and putting orange juice in it or something. Yes. Do you know, that's funny you said that because um, I had some friends over and I was like, hey, try some of my EXO rum from Barbados. And we tried to mix it with Coke as well. And it was wrong. Like, it just was like, it was like blasphemy. It was like, no, no, you shouldn't be doing that. You need to just not not do that. Not, literally just not have that with anything because you're ruining the taste of it.
2: But the Mount Gaze is mixable, whether you'd want to do it or not. It's up to you, but it is a superb rum. It was really superb. I had to ban rum from my house about four years ago.
3: (laughs) Well, I also fell fell in love with rum when I went to Cuba a long time ago, actually, and had some amazing rum in Cuba as well, which was just amazing. So, yeah.
2: Uh, So what's your second spirit, please?
3: Um, I'm afraid I'm going to be a bit predictable, and I'm going to go for a pink gin. It's a bit of Gordon's pink gin. Nice.
2: Right, so is Gordon's, what's that flavoured with?
3: Um, So different things I think can be rhubarb I quite like or strawberries, raspberries Um, sometimes it's a combination of of all of those Um, rhubarb's a bit more tart obviously than strawberry and raspberries but uh, you can't beat that on like, again like I'm getting all these visions about a lovely English summer day um, some pink gin
2: but specifically Gordon's pink gin.
3: Ah, oh, I haven't researched that. I should have. I should have.
2: So you just mean you tell me. a, a gin that Gordon's make that is pink regardless.
3: <laughs> so it just looks pink. You go, you go into the shop, you go into the pub and you go, oh, that's pink and it's gin. That's pink gin.
2: <laughs> OK. I'd like one
3: of those, please.
2: Yes. So Gordon's pink gin, as far as I'm aware, is perfectly crafted to balance the refreshing taste of Gordon's with the natural sweetness of raspberries and strawberries. With the tang of red currant. Mm. Oh, I didn't know
3: about the red currant. Okay.
2: Whereas an actual pink gin, which was a popular drink in the sort of 30s and 40s, was gin with a dash of bitters, and I tried it, and it's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> As in Angostura bitters. Yeah, so it's right. basically like just pure gin.
1: Oh, so it was it was kind of more like a cocktail back in the day, but now pink gin is a, a kind of flavoured gin
2: yeah well there's a really good bit I think it's in 20,000 streets under the sky where uh, by Patrick Hamilton where the woman is sort of going on a date with a guy she's not that keen on she's, so she has a pink gin and she sort of describes herself getting drunker as the evening goes on oh no maybe it's in slaves of solitude but it's definitely Patrick Hamilton I think it is slaves of solitude so I thought okay I'm going to try this amazing thing this pink gin so I looked it up and it's just gin and bitters. So I made one and it's like, who drinks neat gin? What were they thinking? <laughs> of course you're gonna get hammered if you're drinking
1: neat gin. It's a bit like that. I don't know if you follow Radar on Instagram Sandwiches of History, which is No, but I wanted it's a good uh, Instagram. It's this is an American guy who makes he finds these old recipe books from like the early twentieth century and he's makes the sandwiches. And a bit like you, John, it's always like, well this one is this one's bread and just roast beef. Uh, so let's give it a go. Yep, just kind of just taste of bread and roast. You know, it's always quite. There's, I love the ones that are vaguely disappointing, and he yeah. tries to kind of <laughs> tart them up a bit, you know. Let's
3: try a cheese sandwich. Yep, it just tastes like
1: cheese. This is just a bit of cheese, and uh, yep, let's give it a go. Anyway. I that's going
3: to get a, a follow from me yeah, after this podcast, it's very good. He seems
2: like a very nice man. So it's time now to take a break from Dr. Radha Modgill's Dream Pub to expand our minds. To the very size of the universe with uh, the Moon Underwater Pub Library, curated by the Moon Underwater Pub Librarian, the lovely Robin Allender.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Thanks, John. Welcome to the Pub Library, where every week we enter a new book onto the shelves of The Moon Underwater. And this week it's a great novel I'm reading called Leonard and Hungry Paul. By uh, Ronan Hessian, uh, which I hope I'm pronouncing right, is um, who's an Irish musician and author. And it's just... Do you know what's brilliant about this book? Is it's... Nothing bad happens. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about two friends who are just quite normal, and it's just about their lives. And they're quite unusual people, but they're very, very nice, and it's just... There's there's really, like, no big drama to it. But it ends up being about something kind of greater because it's, you know, it's about friendship and it's about how we all cope with normality and reality and everything. And it's very, very funny as well. I think
2: you may have... I haven't read it yet, but stumbled across my dream book because people always make fun of me because I hate peril. Yeah. And the problem with novels is there's often an awful lot of peril. Yeah. And I actually stopped reading... Patrick Hamilton's Gorse trilogy because I could see where it was going, and I could see it would be torturous to read about this guy sort of swindling everyone. and I couldn't couldn't cope, so maybe I'll give this a try.
1: Definitely give it's really good. I, I saw a posted about it on Twitter the other day, and it has lo- loads of people replied because they, you know, I think it's had quite a following. It's only published a couple of years ago, yeah. But it's 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 really there's something very touching about it, and it manages to be kind of warm and emotional, but without being kind of cloying at all, and over-sentimental. But I'll just, um, I'll read about, this is about a page, this extract here, so hopefully it won't be too long to read. Here we go. Though we may be a species that prizes great minds, we are also terrified of and by our thoughts. In prisons, the most extreme and austere punishment that is meted out to errant prisoners those whose behaviour exceeds even the diabolical standards of incarcerated society, is solitary confinement, the awful fate of being imprisoned with only one's thoughts for company. With no distractions, one thought billiards another and an endless internal monologue drowns out the rest of life, bringing dissonance to silence, restlessness to stillness, and anxiety to forethought. A certain type of person, isolated and unsuited to long daily periods of reflection, will eventually think themselves to madness. But Hungry Paul seemed to be able to maintain his peace where another man might have declared war on themselves and those around him. What did he think about? The answer is quite simply nothing. Hungry Paul had been blessed with a mental stillness which had become his natural state over the years. His mind worked perfectly fine, and he had all the faculties of a healthy, if slightly unorthodox, man of his age. He just had no interest in or capacity for mental chatter. He had no internal narrator. When he saw a dog, he just saw a dog, without his mind adding that it should be on a lead, or that its tongue was hanging out like a rasher. When he heard an ambulance siren, he just heard an ambulance siren, without noting its Doppler effect, or wondering if it was a real emergency, or just the driver running late for dinner. And it is in this way that hungry Paul maintained a natural clarity throughout his day, and stayed apart from the trouble that the world would, will undoubtedly make for those who look for it. Oh, very good! It's a great piece of writing. It doesn't it doesn't have anything to do with pubs, but we're kind of veering away from that. But
3: <laughs> I really like that description of the, the dog's tongue like a rasher. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I love that bit. Yeah, that's that was great. great. Well,
2: it's interesting, because I might even like to pick uh, Rada's brains. So quite often on podcast, well, radio show I do, I talk about my interior monologue and how I sort of get in a state with myself. And we've had emails in from people who say, I have no interior monologue. I don't have, I don't sort of think in spirals, or I don't actually, I just observe and am here and they find it very strange the idea that people go around with lots of thoughts in their head all the time. What do you, do you have any experience of that? What what? Why would? I can't imagine what life would be like. It would be so stress free.
3: That's that's really interesting. So I I probably say maybe that's two scenarios I I can imagine that happening. One is that you're literally like. The Dalai Lama and you're actually literally just totally present with everything all the time which is pretty extreme or um you're not actually necessarily aware of the internal monologue because I think you know I in my view we've all we've got thoughts going through our heads all the time. Just, you know thoughts just come out of nowhere they're literally just there and they go round and round in our brains and I think it's if you're not really noticing that I think maybe maybe you haven't even got to that level of actually being aware to actually pick that up or you are so present and so mindful that you've kind of gone over the other side and you're literally you are literally just in this state of utter peace which is incredible um but i but i think i think the more aware you become the more you notice it and then sometimes the more you analyze it as opposed to letting it go so so i think there's a bit of a a sort of a curve where being kind of having awareness is great but sometimes there's too much awareness and then you can kind of tip over into over analyzing if you don't let it go yeah
1: yeah I think that that character in 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 this book is kind of I think the way it's written about is it it feels like it's meant to be an antidote you meant I feel like you're meant to recognize something one does to oneself and think about how nice it would be if it wasn't that way that's certainly how I read it was like God, I do all those things. Wouldn't it be great to be able to just think and just be in the moment like that, you know? <laughs> mm,
3: yeah, to not let your mind use you, but you to be in control of your mind. Yeah, yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Superb. So that's Leonard and Hungry Paul. Uh, Robin, who's that by again?
1: So it's by Ronan Hessian, which is spelled H-E-S-S-I-O-N, uh, an Irish writer and musician. And it's, yeah, it's just fantastic. It's a really, really good book.
2: We don't just have a library here at The Moon Underwater. We also have a jukebox, and it plays out our guests' favourite tunes. So, Radha, what would be your ideal pub album? Uh,
3: So I'm going to go for... It was a choice between The Killers and... Sam Fender but I'm gonna go for Sam Fender actually because uh Sam Fender's just got a great he's got a great mix of sort of just like something which is if you want to listen to it you can listen to it and you can hear the lyrics and you can kind of get into what he's saying and the kind of the mood of the music but if you don't want to listen it also can just kind of fade into the background so I'm going for him basically
2: yeah that's quite good to have a choice just as we were talking about then you can either be present with or you can ignore like an in- so Sam Fender is very much like an internal monologue <laughs> how, how much you notice it is based on how at peace you are with yourself <laughs>
3: yeah I think so actually because I mean his songs are great he's a great performer and you can re- some of his songs you can really get into the-, the whole energy of what he's singing and what it's about but then actually some sometimes you can just tune out and just be like yeah there's there's something there and it's making me feel good but I'm not really aware of it
1: are we 100% sure you're not damning with faint praise here
3: <laughs> <laughs> no I'm not no 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 honestly no no I promise you I promise you I'm a big fan I'm a big fan of Sam fender I'm a big, big fan Sam if you're listening I, I, I love you, and uh, you're welcome to come round and play in my
1: garden anytime. I saw he, he met up with uh, Mark Knopfler the other day, both Geordies, and uh, Mark Knopfler, I think, gave him a guitar. I think, but yeah, no, I, I like his uh, performance style. He, he did a big, he did, he did, not he get everyone to shout Shearer? At a crowd when he was doing when he was doing a gig oh, did yeah, did he was doing the kind of Shearer thing.
0: Hello, fans of Pub and Pint. I'm Jess Phillips, an MP, and now for the first time, a podcast host. I know that the moon underwater is used to sighing for its letters, so I think you'll love my new podcast that's all about writing letters. It's called Yours Sincerely, and in each episode, I invite a guest to celebrate three people that mean the world to them someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. So, with that, I'll sign off with yours sincerely, Jess Phillips. I hope you get to enjoy an episode of my podcast soon. Hold up.
2: Into the jukebox it goes. 17 Going Under by Sam Fender. Radha, you have one selection left and it's your wild card. It's anything we've not covered in your previous choices, which I should remind people are Bulmers Cider on draft, Camden Pale Ale on draft, bottles of Nye Timber Cuvee Multi Vintage English Sparkling Wine, Villa Maria Sauvignon Blanc, Marlborough, if you don't mind, XO Mount Gay Rum, and gordon's pink gin so what's your curveball
3: so i'm not sure if it is that wild or or that curve but hot chocolate i just love a hot chocolate
1: like it hot
3: chocolate with marshmallows Mm. you gotta have that you gotta have that available in a pub like it are you ever
2: sprucing that up with alcohol because i have seen alcoholic hot chocolate available but it sort of freaks me out the idea of it (laughs) have you ever had it
3: um so the only thing that I would accept in a hot chocolate as alcoholic would be Bailey's of some kind. Yeah. Um but that's it. No no nothing else. Otherwise I, I think that's just wrong. But yeah, uh, a bit of Bailey's um and, and maybe even a few kind of um crushed up after eights on top of the marshmallows. Oh
2: my god, yes. <laughs> crushed up after eights. <laughs> There's a distinct lack of sherry in your pub though. Is this gonna be a problem? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'll sneak in the sherry somehow, don't worry, don't worry, in in my
2: handbag. Hot chocolate there, a delight to see hot chocolate in the pub, especially for those winter nights. It may cause frustration for some of the people queuing at the bar as uh, the inevitable uh, sort of machine of creating hot chocolate kicks into gear when when people just (laughs) want a pint of Stella. For goodness sake. That's just
3: more noise as well as it on top of the Jenga. and everything. <laughs> But but you know what? It's in, in my in my pub. You'd have lots of kind of little pots of biscuits and little snacks available on the bar. So even if you were waiting for the hot chocolate machine, you could just help yourself to little bits and pieces, a few nuts, well, kind of you, know, a few dog biscuits for, for your dog, obviously.
2: That, that's one thing I think we could perhaps do more of in uh, Britain is is the American thing of like just bowls of of quite basic snacks mm.
3: yeah i agree 100% agree
2: <laughs> but the concern is i think the sort of the stereotype is that those those bowls are breeding grounds for germs so actually maybe that's, it's a good idea probably, that we don't have probably them.
3: true it's probably true but it's a shame isn't it it's a shame but you're probably right i'm glad that you're being sensible and i'm not
1: but there is a <laughs> pub near me that on sundays after roasts it just puts all the leftover roast potatoes on the bar that's, oh <gasps> uh, yeah, that's decent. Oh my God, that is that's decent.
3: amazing. Can I just say, the other thing I love is roast potatoes with mint sauce, with mint cold sauce, cold roast potatoes mint with mint sauce. Mint. My gosh, I need to come to that pub. <laughs> you
2: need
3: to tell me where that is.
2: Have you ever had cold roast potatoes with hummus? No. The next day, if you put your roast potatoes in the fridge and then just dip them and scoop hummus with them, especially the really sort of velvety hummus, oh my, the saltiness. And the hummusiness.
0: <laughs> really? It's <a> dream
2: combo. <laughs> the hummusiness.
3: I can't even say that word, hummus-ne- I can't I haven't even been drinking and I can't say that word hummusness. <laughs> there was a
2: there was a pub in Bristol called the Ship. Rob, you know when you go on Park Road, there's that little road that leads down towards uh, Christmas steps? Yeah, yeah. I knew the ship. They they had a pub quiz there, and they used to put out these enormous casserole dishes of sausages. And that was it was just like fifty sausages in a casserole dish, and everyone could just come up and take them throughout the quiz. Lovely touch. Lovely touch. That sounds yeah. amazing.
3: Oh my gosh, I need to visit these places
2: <laughs> now. You're barred, Rada. What would a pub be without rules? It would be an absolute lawless hellscape. That's what it would be. So. <laughs> What one thing are you barring from your dream pub?
3: Uh, so when I go to the pub, I, I like a bit of music. I like a bit of uh, entertainment, but I don't like horrible flashing lights and noises from slot machines. So I would absolutely 100% not have any slot machines anywhere near my pub. No, Amen thank you.
2: Men, to that. Could not agree with you more. It's, they're much rarer than they used to be in pubs. It used to be that you couldn't I mean, I remember in the I mean the nineties, fish and chip shops would have a fruit machine. Uh waiting rooms in bus stations and airports would have fruit machines. It was so insane to think now, but it nothing makes my heart sink faster than a beautiful pub and then you notice there's a fruit machine in the corner. It's a delight to hear you ban slot machines from your pubs. Couldn't agree
1: with you more.
3: I'm glad that's popular. <laughs>
1: Hurry up, please, it's time. Before
2: we let you go, we thank you for your time here, but this pub does need a name. What are we going to call a pub that contains Bulmer's Camden Pale Ale, Night Timber Cuvée Multi Vintage, Sauvignon Blanc from Marlborough by Via Maria, Exo Mount Gay Rum, Gordon's Pink Gin, Sam Fender on the jukebox, and Hot Chocolate not on the jukebox, uh, but available? At the bar, because there are enough snacks available for free, that means you won't get annoyed with the amount of time it takes to make.
3: So I couldn't let you down. So I've called my pub, the Doctor's Tipple. I like oh, it?
2: Oh, nice. Mm.
3: I know. I had to go for the Doctor vibe. I couldn't let you down. <laughs> couldn't let you down.
2: I can see the sign now. It's someone with sort of um, those thin circular spectacles. Those thin rimmed spectacles. What would a, what do most doctors drink? Because doctors are boozers, aren't they? Let's be completely
0: frank. <laughs>
3: So I, I don't know what they i don't know what most doctors drink. I would say I would say beer or lager, probably, probably. But if you're thinking of, I mean, I mean, obviously for this sign you'd have to go for a real stereotype, wouldn't you, of what everyone thinks a doctor looks like, uh, as opposed to maybe me being on there. Well, I wouldn't mind being on there actually. On the artwork, <laughs> put
1: yourself on the um... <laughs> put yourself on the on the on the sign. No one's done that before. In scrubs covered in blood
3: i think i will put myself up there and i'll put my dog i'll put my dog as well bodie up there
1: i love that that no, no one does like imagine a landlord so kind of arrogantly put a <laughs> picture of themselves <laughs> the pub sign
3: that'd be follow brilliant. the lights yeah. follow the face follow Ryder's face to the pub that'd be so yeah. cool. i think i think i think i might do yeah. that you know i think i might do that just go all out for the biggest ego yeah. that you've ever had for someone on this podcast in
1: scrubs
2: Well, The Doctor's Tipple is yours to take with you wherever you need it the most, in good times and bad, as discussed. Thank you so much for joining us here in The Moon Underwater. Uh, We need to play you out with a song befitting to send you on your way. So which track from 17 Going Under by Sam Fender would you like to hear?
3: So it's going to be the title track, 17 Going Under.
2: Nice. 17 Going Under, it is. Well, as Sam... Fender plays. Uh, We thank Dr Radha Modgill for creating her dream pub here at The Moon Underwater and we thank you all also for listening and we will see you next week. Bye bye!
1: Hello, it's William and Jordan here from Help, I Sexted My Boss. And on
0: Tuesday, our show at the London
1: Palladium will be streamed live into cinemas. So if you want an evening full of laughs and outrageous problems and dilemmas, then come along and join us on the big screen. Help, I, Sexted My Boss live is showing everywhere and everyone's welcome.
2: Go to sexedmyboss.com
1: slash cinema to get your tickets now. That's sexedmyboss.com slash cinema.